0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel. I am here with Jacob Bynum of Rifles Only. Jacob, how are you today, sir?
1: Doing wonderful. Really looking forward to the match at the end of the month.
0: Yes, sir. So tell us about the Rifles Only Brawl.
1: All right. That's a long story, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We did our first national level competition back in the 90s, the mid-90s. And um, so we've refined it you know, everything since then, um, you know, talking about over, over 20 years of national level precision rifle matches. Um, they've evolved, you know, we used to do some stuff in the matches. Uh, we used to do stocks, you know, we used to do Kim's games. We used to do a lot of stuff that, you know, your shooters nowadays, they don't even know what they are. You know, they have no clue what's a Kim's game, (laughs) Right. but, uh, so we, we put that out kind of and it's turned more of a shooting thing. We do have some physical activities with it. You know we have um we have some very short running guns. Uh, the mousetrap is always fun. You know the mousetrap is one of those one of those things that everybody either loves or they hate or they love to hate. So you'll you we won't see that this time, but we will see we will see some other physical activity with it. But it's mainly a, a rifle match. This one we decided not to do pistol, and so it's just going to be strictly rifle.
0: Very nice. So with this match, without giving away the course of fire or anything of that nature, you know, what do you think is going to be the most challenging aspect of your match?
1: The same thing that challenges every shooter whenever you turn on the clock. Proper application of the fundamentals of marksmanship under stress and time. <laughs> I, I, I think you had that answer pre-planned. <laughs> uh, I've answered that question a couple thousand times.
0: I would I would imagine. So... Yes. For everybody who is new to the precision rifle world and they don't know who Jacob Bitem is, can you give us a quick dog and pony uh, bio background? Um, I mean, you are, for lack of a better term, you're, you're a godfather of the shooting sports. You've been in it probably as long or longer than anybody who has first started the sport. So can you kind of let everybody know some of your background?
1: Well, I hate to I hate to toot my own horn. I will tell you, um, we were doing precision rifle classes again. You know, back back in the mid nineties. You know, there's a there's a few people that were around back then. Uh, Terry Cross, George Gardner. You know, the guys who have been here. You know, pre pre sanctioned style competitions. Um, but our our flagship course has been the precision rifle one and two. Um, we offer that course to civilians. We slightly modify it for our military clients as well as our federal federal law enforcement and local law enforcement. We've developed a lot of courses, uh, high angle. We've done urban surveillance courses, field craft courses, anything having to do with either shooting or the backside of it. Um, ours, with, with all the military courses that we do, you know, there's the, everybody thinks that a military sniper goes off and that's all he does every day, all day shoot. And he doesn't. I mean, it's it's such the shooting portion is such a small portion of what he does. And so we've incorporated some classes with fieldcraft, where you're actually going out and doing hide sites. You're doing land navigation. That's the backside of it. And we stay very, very active in that. Uh, the high angle is another one I'm pretty proud of. The helicopter sniping has done very good for a lot of state law enforcement agencies. But um, just a, a different, you know, it's just a different take on it. It's just it's just not all shooting. And like I've, I've said many times, it's just, you know, proper application of the precision rifle is a heck of a lot more about thinking than it is about shooting. And so being able to go and bring those courses out and have them be successful over 23 years has been, it's been a real blessing and we're humbled by it.
0: I can only imagine. What would you say have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen from when you first started out to today?
1: Age of shooter and attitude, as far as it goes with the personal, you know, portion of it, um, the, uh you know, the competition has changed a lot, you know, just the, the attitude of the shooter that comes in they are they're seeing is as a, a sport and a game. And it is, and I completely agree with that. I love to compete. You know, I, I love the sporting aspect of it, but I, I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that these rifles and, and it's part of my safety meeting, you know, these rifles were designed for one purpose. You know what I mean? I right. mean still, you know, and that we have to understand that we're going out and we're competing with it. And it's the same with, you know, the the handgun competitions, the carving competitions, the shotgun competitions. I mean, the, the Chinese did not invent gunpowder to give us fireworks. They invented gunpowder to kill. And as long as we keep that, you know, first and foremost in our mind, I think it's going good. And I, I'm starting to see a lot more of the younger crowd get that. You know, they're they're starting to get it. They're still enjoying the game, which is vital. You know, we really want people to enjoy it and to participate more and bring more people into it. And that's that's what that's what the sporting aspect is is so great on this um and that's just the people and as far as equipment um you know we we've seen the switch from you know the moa scope now everybody's shooting mills that's one of the things that i've seen change another thing i've seen change i think the biggest thing that i've seen change as far as equipment has been quality of optic i mean now we have optics that are just absolutely incredible um and let's not Let's not forget the the cartridges. You know, I even saw today where George Gardner is getting ready to re- release a new cartridge, and you can bet it's just going to be a smoker. Right. You know, it's going to. But you see them switch from you know everything was 308 whenever I first got into this. I mean, if you were if you were shooting field shooting, you were shooting a 308, and now you don't know what you're going to see out there. You have six five six, um, you know, all these other calibers that, it. it I mean, you got to stay on it full time just to keep up with what's going on. <laughs> Ain't on. But, that the truth? And a lot, and a lot for the better. You know, it, it's a lot for the better because. We're shooting further, and we're hitting stuff now that we wouldn't even attempt, you know, 15 years ago. So this is these are all positive things with with the people that are getting into it. What what a bunch of great people that that shoot long rifle. And then by doing that, by bringing more people into it, you know, you have people with backgrounds, you know, in engineering, and and uh, and you know they're they're bringing those skill sets to the table, and they're putting stuff out there that's, I mean, we're we're hitting stuff now that we never would have dreamed of before. What do you think the future of the sport is? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you excited you know, or are you scared? No, not scared at all. Excited. Very excited <laughs> to see what's coming. I mean, you see, you know, what? Travis, I remember when I started out, I had a, I had a, a 300-foot tape measure. You know what I mean? And a right. bunch of sticks. That's how we did range finding so we could go get our dope. You know, we had no idea what those knobs were for up on top of the scope. None. No clue. <laughs> and so the first, the first ballistics program I saw was actually in DOS, believe it or not. And really? it was on a floppy disk that a guy handed me, you know, at lunch one time. He says, go see what you think about this. And it was really good. And so now everybody has a phone. You can put, uh, you know, you can put lock you can put geoballistics, you can put, there's so many of these different, you know, uh, user-friendly ways. And I always say, you know, I got this one little item in my pocket that I can text with my wife, I can access the Library of Congress, and it'll give me my dope on my rifle within seven inches at a thousand yards. I mean, everybody wins. Right. Every and that's a technology that we're seeing. I think that, um, you know, methodology for reading wind, I think, is probably within the next three to five years. We'll probably take a huge scientific breakthrough, um, and, and I'm looking forward to that because the wind is always a great equalizer. You know, so oh, yeah. there's just so many things that you can see. What the advances that we're seeing in, in night vision gear and thermal gear. Uh, first, night vision, you know, <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't identify the difference. You know, if you had someone at a hundred yards, and we tried this. If they had a wallet in their hand or if they had a Glock in their hand, well, now now you can see by their mustache what they had for breakfast. You know, I mean, it, it's gotten so much better. And just to wonder where is it going to be in, you know, three to five years? It's so exciting.
0: It's, I think it's absolutely exciting. But one of the things that I have a fear for is, you know, I, I'm just, I'm fairly new. I have no experience anywhere near what you have in any of this but to me looking at it from my perspective is technology is a phenomenal thing because it allows us to reach new limits but at mm-hmm. the same time i think a lot of people are forgetting to learn the fundamentals
1: <laughs> you're absolutely right you know the thing about it is if you go off and you know you get really good you put good data into your ballistics program you know for a shot at say 825 yards and then you put that number on your gun but then you screw up on your breathing cycle. Anything that you did is completely worthless. And right. it just doesn't matter. And it's like I always say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a real I'm a real fundamentalist whenever it comes to this. You know, we, we've been teaching the fundamentals forever. Somebody said, oh, all Jacob ever teaches is the fundamentals. One of the students looked at him and says, well, that's all there is, really. And so it's not as hard as people think. You just got to apply it. And the way the way I like to describe the fundamentals is, is one of my favorite ones is trigger control so if i go out and i've got a target say the same thing 800 yards or whatever and i've got some gusty wind i'm gonna make i'm gonna make my best my best estimation on what that correction is going to be and if that correction tells me it's going to be 1.5 mils and then i shoot and the bullet splashes at two mils well the bullet just told me what the answer was right so what i should do on the next shot is either dial two or hold two and pull the trigger again but if i'm crushing the trigger or slapping the trigger, or not coming straight back on the trigger, then my correction means nothing at all. I need to make sure that I'm correcting for an environmental condition, the wind, rather than a fundamental condition, my trigger control. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Consistency. It's consistency. You have to drive the rifle. The rifle's a stupid machine. If you drive the rifle exactly the same every single time, you're going to get the results that you want. The problem is we're human, so we can't do that because of Stressors, you know, any kind of stressor you want to put on. If you're hunting, you know, it could be a really big buck, so you got the shakes, or you know, you got a range officer over there that's saying, "Time starts now." I mean, the most frightening words that competitors can. <laughs> I'm now, and so you know, we kind of lose that fundamental aspect of it. But if you just think your way through it, you know, you go up to an event, run that event in your head several times before you ever even get to it, and that kind of helps alleviate some of that stress. So that you can fall back on the fundamentals. The fundamentals have been putting metal to meat for centuries. You right. know, we're not gonna change that anytime soon, no matter what the technology. No,
0: that that that's very true. And that, that brings up another question I have. As an experienced match director, I mean, I have no idea how many matches you've you've thrown over the years, but I, I know either. it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. When you're developing a course of fire, what is it that you personally are looking for? To challenge like are you looking to you know challenge not only the fundamentals but the the weirdest shooting position or is it more of a real life scenario you know when you're thinking of developing a stage what goes through your head
1: well a lot and a lot goes through with um you know my experience with you know with the military shooters and the law enforcement shooters because i get all sorts of after action reports you know different different things that happen to them um you know the the most interesting one was we were we had one course one if stage out here one time where you had to shoot off of a toilet. You know? <laughs> I was thinking about that right now. I swear. And so that actually happened. There was a police sniper who his best hide-, hide sight was down a hallway and sitting on a toilet. He wrapped a sling around the doorknob, and that was what he was faced with. And so you see something like that. Well, that that really happened. You know what I mean? I mean it's just that's where we come from. The other parts of it, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make people think. And if you go and you look at one of my stages and you read one of my stage descriptions, a little insight into match director brains, um, some of them are designed for you to finish in the allotted time. Some of them are designed for you not to. And when, I, when I'm saying that is I want you to think, can you physically make it from prop to prop to prop within the allotted time? If the answer is no, then that means every time you pull the trigger on your first two prop stations that you're shooting from, every time you pull the trigger, make sure you hit your target. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's designed for you to get the maximum amount of points that you possibly can. If you miss that last position, you miss that last position. But guess what? No one's going to make the last position. The timing just doesn't allow it. Right. Now, if I have another one that obviously there's plenty of time to finish it, you know what I mean? Well, now we're testing, we're testing wind reading skills. It's going to be a little bit further one. We're testing the wind reading skills, the fundamentals, being able to apply those in the same way.
0: Does That's that make awesome. sense? Yeah, no, that actually, that actually makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because I have the opportunity to work with some of the best match directors in the country. And I, I like picking your guys' brains because I've never produced a match, you know, from start to finish by myself. Mm-hmm. Um so I always like getting the the insight of how you guys think and what you guys are contemplating when you're producing these uh, courses of fire.
1: Well, the one the one that I think i I just came up with it about a year and a half ago. We've done it we've done it twice nationally. Um, I just changed it up again, but it's actually called frustration ladder, and I've shot it, and it's just it that it's a perfect description. It just frustrates you. You either you're starting out, and the way we're doing it at the Brawl this year, and here's an insight to one one event that people are going to have. We have the same size steel target, 10 by 10, from 300 to 1,000. So you'll start out with 16 rounds. And you have to hit 1,000 yards before you can move to 900. If you hit 1,000, you get a point. You can stop if you want. Or you can keep going. If you want to go to 900, you go to 900. But if you miss 900, you got to go back to 1,000 until you hit it. So if you hit 900, you got two points and then you can stay there or you can opt to go to 800. And if you miss it, you lose all your points and you got to go back to a thousand. And I see people, you know, watching it in, in, in club matches, I've twisted it a little bit, man, the fundamentals just go out the window. The frustration level <laughs> through the roof. And it's just like, calm down, relax, apply the fundamentals and your bullet to go where you want it to go. And it's only been cleaned twice, so it's, it's a tough event.
0: Nice. If you don't mind me asking, do you remember who it was
1: cleaned by? Yeah, one time it was cleaned by a, uh, a contractor. Okay. And one time it was cleaned by, uh, he's not really a local shooter. He's, he's from about 200 miles away. We see him every now and then at a club match.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So we keep talking about the mental aspect of the game. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, once you understand the fundamentals, everything else is mental.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what advice do you have for new shooters when they're going up there and they hear that, you know, shooter stand by, you're ready, and the beep go off. What, what are your suggestions on how to keep a cool head?
1: One word, and it's an easy answer, breathe. <laughs> breathe. That's not breathe. an easy answer. It's an easy answer. All you got to do is breathe. You've been breathing since you came out of your mama. Now's not a good time to stop. <laughs> this is true. If you're going to go swimming underwater, hold your breath. Otherwise, breathe. You're made for it. I've seen people do like a 90-second stage, and like, you know, you're seeing the pupil dilation in their eyes. They have oxygen crisis because they've held their breath the entire time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Breathe. If you can breathe, you see better, you think better, everything goes good. And don't get in a hurry. You know what I mean? There's, um, you know, there's there's things that I've learned from my mentors, and one of that things is, you know, they said slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And then other people say, no, slow is just slow. Well, they're both valid. You know what I mean? Right. But, just work your position. Like I say, run that stage in your head many times. Um, perfect example, um, Tiger Woods interview years and years and years ago. He says all he did was just visualize the perfect swing every single time, the perfect swing. He'd visualized it in his head. By the time he got up there and it was his turn to go, he had already made that swing a thousand times in his head. All he had to do now is just follow through with the rest of it and you know, look, look how good he was.
0: That you know, that's a, a great point because when you talk to some of the top athletes in almost mm-hmm. any sport, they talk about visualizing their goal, what their end game is. Um, yep. Whether that's stage by stage or, or course by course or the entire game, um, the mental aspect is huge. So, is it the same answer if I just got up and zeroed a stage and now I'm frustrated? What do you? Oh, that,
1: there's nothing you can do about that. Forget. What what I see on the internet lately, there's a reason that your windshield is so big and your rearview mirror is so small because what's important is what lies ahead. If you screw up a stage, you screw up a stage. Everybody screws up stages, no fault in that. Just let it go. It's done. If you beat yourself up about it, it's going to affect you in your next stage. And I can give you thousands examples of people and names who do that. And they don't (laughs) need... They're excellent shooters. They're excellent shooters. I had one student that was absolutely, fundamentally perfect. And if there was no clock... That that target was gonna get hit. But once the clock came on, target didn't get hit, frustration levels came in, and the frustration level just lasted all day. Right. There's nothing to do about blowing a stage. If you blow a stage, so what? It's just a rifle match, you know what I mean? It's not really that important anyway. So let it go, move on, try to do good on the next one. Good, sound advice.
0: So now when we look at the wide variety of different top level shooters, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say the biggest difference is between a top level, you know, top five, top ten finisher consistently versus mm-hmm. a thirty or forty plate shooter? What would you say is the biggest differences between them are? Is it
1: practice? Is it just time behind the rifle? Is it Well, you know, all those now, whenever you look at you look at a, a number one shooter compared to a number thirty shooter, they're all doing very good fundamentally. But I think, I think your top 10, you know, your ones consistently getting top five is they don't care. It's another day at the range. You know what I mean? They don't take it too seriously. They just go in with a calm head. They're breathing all the way through it. Nothing rattles them. They go in, they like, you go out to, to um, Matt Clem's place. He's got this tree that you got to shoot off of. I saw that thing and it's like immediately I was like, wow, that's intimidating. These guys don't get that. You know, it's just like, it's another stage, you know, everything's a barricade. I've done this a million times before and it seems like the shooters that are a little bit for a little bit further back. I mean, it, it means so much. They get so nervous and so tense. So that comes from experience. You know what I mean? That comes from shooting a lot of matches. You know, you're, you know, you've done it before. So it doesn't, really, it doesn't really affect you. You know, it, does that, it, your question well enough. It, it does because it's funny
0: when you say that because, it's like it's the same thing when they're like a scenario when you're single and you're looking for a girlfriend you're never going to find one mm-hmm. but when you're just going out hanging out with your friends you're going to find the perfect woman exactly because
1: you just exactly. don't care yeah because <laughs> you just don't care i mean and that's the thing you know your top shooters like that they're doing it because you know they have the experience you know they they're they're shooting a lot of matches which you know breeds a, a bit of familiarity you know what i mean it's like um it's like for them, picking up a rifle is the same thing as picking up a knife and fork to cut a steak. They've done it a million times before. There's nothing new. They know exactly what to expect, and they just don't care.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, what is your take on the new caliber chase? Everyone's going to a, a, a 6 millimeter variant of some sort, Um, you know, a year or two years ago is the 6.5 Creedmoor. You said George is getting ready to release a new round, so I'm sure that's going to be hot later this (laughs) year or next year. Yeah, absolutely. What is your take on chasing a caliber?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my biggest thing whenever the, you know, I like 308s because myself and my range officers, you know, when a target gets hit, you know it got hit because it just got hit by... And now it's getting hit by a little bitty lighter bullet. So my biggest problem with that was... It was difficult for me to score because during a match, I want to give every point that someone deserved, but no points that they don't deserve. Right. So if they hit it, I want it to be unmistakable. But then that was my biggest problem with it. So now what we have is we have like light react and then magneto speed coming out with these, you know, these lights. So we got indicators. Okay. So that's problems gone. Right. You know, so now. Chase away. Let's let's see how fast, how far, and how accurate we can go. I mean, like I say, that's the beauty of having so many, you know, really good brains that are shooters because they're not afraid to go and build a new Wildcat. You know what I mean? They're not afraid to do it, and you know it could be one of those things like the two-two-four Valkyrie. Not a fan at all. I, I mean, I don't want one. You know what I mean? I I don't, but people like it. You know, people like it and it does perform well. I mean, I have no use for it, but I, I understand where people want to chase this, and we are seeing improvements in doing that. I mean, look look at the drop table from a six millimeter Creedmoor at a thousand yards to a 308. I mean, it's night and day. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so flatter and everything else. And people say, "Oh well, it doesn't really it doesn't really hit that hard when it gets there." I said, "Okay, well, you go stand out there. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I don't want to get hit with a paintball gun." <laughs> a, very them, good point. You know, I mean, let let's see where it goes cuz this is how we learn. I mean, it's you can look at it on anything. You know, car accidents in the 1950s had such a high fatality rate. You know, because they weren't cars made in 2018-19. Look how many safety features we have. You know what I mean? This is this is the evolution and progress where things get better. And again, as long as someone what really bothers me is when someone tries to go and buy skill. You can't buy skill. I don't I don't True. care what it is. You can get the hottest Hottest caliber that's going the fastest with no recoil or anything else. But if you're screwing up the fundamentals, you're not going to be able to drive that gun good anyway. You can't buy skill. You got to put in your time. You got to put in your time on the practice and you need to internalize the fundamentals the same way that you would internalize your faith. You know what I mean? Yes. You got to believe in them because it's the only way. No,
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And speaking of education, you have been a huge proponent, a huge educator, like we've been talking for many, many years. And Mm -hmm. you're starting to see new shooters that are coming out and and teaching and doing education and things of that nature. And then you see some people that are good shooters but don't necessarily have the right skill set to educate. Correct. When you're talking to a new shooter, uh, let's say myself, right? And I come to you and I say, Jacob, I really want to learn precision rifle. What would be your advice to me?
1: First thing, don't go out and spend your life savings on a bunch of crap you don't know how to use. That's the biggest thing. Find yourself something that you're comfortable that you can afford to where it still allows you to have a little bit of room to get ammunition and to get training. Training is going to be your main thing. Now... Whenever I say training, believe me, I've had a lot of students come through uh, from all different backgrounds, and they've been to this school or that school or whatever, and I have to fix almost everything. There have been a lot of students that come through, and I've been through this school and this school, and I have to fix nothing. You know, there's some people who are out there who know what they're doing, and there's some people who don't. Find a reputable school, something that has longevity, you know, that has, you know, a good track record. Of of knowing, you know, fundamentally what to do correctly. All the schools, if they're not spending an enormous, inordinate amount of time on the fundamentals, then it's a waste of money. You know what I mean? So that's what I would say to begin with. Then I'd go and I'd watch you shoot, and then I'll watch you shoot. And we call it a fundamentals evaluation. We do it at the beginning of every class. You know, it doesn't matter who I'm teaching. We always do a fundamentals eval, and I'm going to take notes. And if you have a problem. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to explain the problem to you, but I'm going to watch you whenever I'm explaining it. And after doing it for so long, I can tell you that that information went in or I can say that information did not go in. So what I'm going to do mentally is I'm going to take a step to the right and I'm going to tell you the exact same thing in different words. That was either going to go in or it's not. Hopefully it goes in, but it might not if i can tell that it didn't go in i'm going to take another step to the right and i'm going to tell you the exact same thing in different words and what you have to understand is you are going to process information different than the person sitting next to you and a good instructor will recognize that and not say okay here's the blanket information all of you can either have it It either goes in or it doesn't what a good instructor needs to understand is whenever you have a class in front of you it is not about you They don't care what you've done. They don't care where you've been. They don't care how many competitions you've done. They're spending their money, and more importantly, their time to be with you. So whenever you walk into that classroom or you walk on the range, you better leave your ego at the gate and understand it's about the client. It's not about you anymore. It's hard. A lot of people can't do that. I've gone to courses before to where an instructor will sit up there for 15 minutes and talk about They've got this cert and this cert and they did this and they did this. I don't care. <laughs> I'm there. To, you can either teach me something or not. Now let's get this party started. But a good instructor understands that it's about the client, man. It's about the client. A thousand percent about the client. You give them the best facility that you can, the best instruction you can, the best props that you can, but it's about them. It's not about you. I mean, who cares? Who, who cares? In 50 years, no one's going to know who Jacob Bynum was. You know what I mean? I got to make that impression right now, right now with this student. Hey, this is the proper way to do things and give them good instruction. You know, don't don't be available after hours. If there's a question, be available for them. Say, hey, they come up and say, hey, I'm having a real hard time understanding this hold over hold under mathematical thing. Don't don't sigh and roll your eyes. Say, all right, brother, come on. Let's go. Let's sit down. Let's let's explain it a different way so you can get it. And if your clients don't leave happy. It's a failure, man. And also, it's like I tell my students in my classes, I say, hey, halfway through, do any of you feel overwhelmed by this information? Because if you do, I have failed. You haven't failed. I failed because I need to give you the information in a way that you understand. Uh, Student one may understand it one way. Student two may understand it another way. One's not better than the other. They're just different people. And you got to recognize that. And you got to you got to understand that. Everybody's there they just want they just want to get better. You know and if you can't facilitate that, get out of the house. You know what I mean?
0: Right. That that is so true and it's funny that you say that because I've literally had two different people explain the same thing to me in their own way and one I was just like, dude, I don't understand the thing you're saying. And the other person it just clicked. And yep. it, it's so funny how the human processes information differently from one next one person to the next based upon how it's explained. So yep.
1: that's great advice. Instructor, it's incumbent upon us to be able to tell those micro expressions on the face. Did they get it or did they not get it? And if they didn't get it, as an instructor, you can't get frustrated. You get frustrated, then again, you're a failure. All you do is you move over a little bit, explain it a little bit different way. Now, a good instructor has those tools in his toolbox. Right. And not all of those guys that are calling themselves instructors out there have those tools, but there's a lot that do.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Now, do you think it's easier to train a female
1: versus a male? I've seen it go both ways, you know, but with the females, they – all right, I'll just be blunt. Yeah, females are easier. <laughs> I'm like,
0: he's trying to be so politically correct I'm right now. <laughs> to be, I'm
1: to be really good on this, but I think it's, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how graphic we can get, but a lot of times a guy shows up and says, I'm a guy. I know how to shoot. I've been hunting since I was three years old. I said, yeah, you just loaded your magazine backwards, you know, and it's kind of like, <laughs> when with a, with a female, you come up and it's like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and it's like, okay, we do this, you know, and, and it works. It goes really, really well. Um, I've spent... A heck of a lot of time you know on the range with regina what a wonderful student you know what i mean i mean what a what a great person to be able to train because you know she's she wants the hard stuff you know what right. i mean she wants that and there's she's not the only one there's there's more out there too but she's just one that comes to mind females are easier to train now again saying that it's not across the board always you have exceptions you know what of i mean course. always you have exceptions and you know it's kind of i don't know it, it's a tough question you know the to be able to split that I don't one of the things I will tell you this. One of the things that we've seen and is, is people try like wanting to do like a female trophy. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, like you go to a competition and you have, you know, a male trophy and then you have the female trophy. I get it for junior shooters. I don't get it for females though. I, I don't really believe in the female trophy. And for one simple reason. I don't think females are limited in any way in our game. I don't think they're hampered in any way. In our game so I just just don't play
0: devil's advocate there Mm -hmm. I I agree with you for 90% of that but Mm -hmm. I think and then this can actually go for guys or girls but traditionally females are shorter than males and most Mm -hmm. match directors are male (laughs) I taller than me (laughs) I said majority (laughs) Um, so you know I've I've watched female shooters and some male shooters that are shorter having a hard time compete on certain courses of fire Mm -hmm. you know so in that aspect I think that there might be some disadvantages but again it's a thinking game
1: Nathan from Short Action Precision comes and teach you a lesson on the range
0: well that boy is just amazing he's just crazy (laughs) he is
1: amazing (laughs) yeah I I understand what you're saying I I understand like the height difference and then then we got to obviously you know bring in my friend Frank Galley to that you know what I mean so you know and so you know I don't I I see what you're saying but I don't agree I mean okay. I, I think that you know, there's gonna be because the thing about it is like the mousetrap. And it's difficult for short people and it's difficult for really tall people it's like the the normal standard sized person it's not difficult for them until you say shooter ready time starts now you know what right. I mean so, again every every you know everyone's gonna be a little bit different you know you can't accommodate every single thing about it and everything else but you know I I
0: don't
1: yeah I mean it, it's just like I don't uh, case in point, uh, last club match, we had a female here shooting a six Creedmoor, 13 years old, 60 shooters, 10th place, hey, and yeah. so, and so I'm looking, you know, they're they're on the internet, and I've got some of my some of my my local shooters around here, and they were talking about how. Oh, well, you didn't use this. They were giving each other a bunch of crap. Well, look what the 224 Valkyrie beat you. You know, it beat you and all this other stuff. And I got on the Internet and I said, you guys realize that you got your asses handed to you by a 13-year-old girl. Because they were like, <laughs> play, play 10th place. And they're back here in like 20th and 30th, you know, talking crap to one another. And here's this little girl. She just she just smoked them. And she's short. You know, she's 13. Right. You know, I just, I, I, I don't, I wish that you know and again it's all a mental game but i i just see so many phenomenal female shooters i mean there's so many of them out there right now
0: yeah, and we're awesome. getting more
1: all the time thank goodness uh, yes. but i just don't i don't see them being limited i don't i don't see to me it's like if if they get and again this is just me and i'm old school but i think we're if we give them like that that top female trophy yeah it's great it's it's cool accolades and i understand it and everything else but man, on any given day, they could have beat anybody there. You know what I mean? Right. It's just every day is different. You know, every from stage to stage, the wind changes. You know, it's just like it didn't really pan out for them that day. Right. And then time it's going to be the male shooter that it didn't pan out for him. And she's going to end up ahead of him. I just don't see the female limitation. I mean, and that's after training hundreds, you know, right. I, I just don't see the limitation. Well, and case in point,
0: you know, Regina is a perfect example of that. You know, she's won first place in, in a match. She's the first woman to ever win a national match. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a badass shooter. And majority of the time, she graciously accepts the top female trophy or award if it's there. But afterwards, she's come up to me several times. and She's like, this is cool, but I want that one. I don't yeah. care about this one as much. I want that yeah. one.
1: Yeah. And oh, she's think- told me I'm winning this one. I'm winning this one. I'm winning this one. You know what I mean? She's yeah. not the only one. You know, and it's just good on them. Good on them. There's no, like I say, brother. I I just don't I don't see any sort of weakness in the females that would cause them not to be able to win nationally. And it's already been proven.
0: It has. It has. Yeah. Now, on that same level, regardless of male or female, what about age? We've been approached by some older shooters um i don't remember the exact age range but they're older who you know they've had hip surgery or they've had back surgery or they've had whatever it is and they're like yeah. well why don't you have a senior division so us old farts can can compete against each other what's your take on that not that you're an old fart or anything like that that's oh, not yes what i'm I saying
1: am, <laughs> yes, I am. And, you know the thing about it is i'm not going to complain about getting old because not everybody gets the privilege you know what i mean yes sir so i'm i'm happy to be vertical and everything else. And I think, um, I think a senior division would be pretty cool just for fun. You know what I mean? And just because, you know, you're talking to a guy who has, who has two fake hips, you know what I mean? That's, you know, I've had, I didn't even know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I still get around and I'm vertical and everything else. And it's just, yeah, we'll have a senior division, but I I think it's more of the, you know, at my age, you know, whenever I was younger, I was competing all the time, you know, and I was loving it. You know, I, I, it was just so good to be able to go out there and shoot with like Terry Cross and, and Jim Clark got a of his soul. I mean, I, I miss that man so much. Yes. And it was so good for us to be able But we were all young then, you know what I mean? And so it was cool. I think it'd be a great senior division for people like, you know, me and Terry Cross and a few guys around here to just kind of, you know, give each other the crap like like we did, like we used to. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I, I see it. Now, I, I see a little senior division, but more... More as a fun thing than anything else. Recognize it. Not necessarily making a big trophy or a big deal about it. Just saying, hey, our top senior shooter here was so-and-so. You know, here's awesome. a here's a set of earmuffs. <laughs> 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 Protect right. what le- you have left of your hearing. <laughs> right.
0: Here's some arthritis medicine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we have a few more minutes here, and I want to get back to your match. Mm-hmm. Now... Traditionally, your match has been one of the most sought-after matches nationally. Uh, Nothing but positive things. This is actually going to be my first year to experience it, and I'm super excited to come visit you in a couple of weeks. But besides just the match, you guys are also known for having great after activities. I mean, I've watched or seen pictures from years past where you guys do this phenomenal barbecue you also have your distillery that I'd like to talk about for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just jump into that. You know, how did how does the after activities come into play for you guys at Rifles Only?
1: Well, you know, it started out, fortunately, uh, my wife's brother, James, um, is award winning at a barbecue pit. You know, he makes some of the best te- Texas brisket you've ever put down your throat. It's awesome. You're going to love it. So being with him, you know, being on staff here, it helps a lot to do that. But we want to be able to a lot of times the only time we get to see these people are once a year. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because they don't go to SHOT Show or they do go to SHOT Show, but they don't come to the match. So it's kind of equal. We don't get to see them. So we want to spend some time with them. You know, we want to have a beer with them. We don't want to sit back and catch up and, you know, find out how their kids are doing, you know, find out how their businesses are doing, you know, just be able to visit. So that's why we started it a long time ago, always doing this. Now, this year, uh, normally we do that at the end. This year, with uh, with our with the Friday Saturday match, so we're going to do this on Friday night. We're going to have where everybody gets together again, the big barbecue bash. You know what I mean? Nice. Uh, the tour of the distillery and being able to hang out over there. We have one of our buddies who's bringing in a, a mobile cigar bar. You know, so you can go in and and have a have a rum and coke and smoke a really nice cigar if you would like. You know, it's just yeah. what, what we want to do is we want to you know everybody and. It's not just us to get to see these people. Some of these people, you know, they get to see each other, which they haven't seen in a year because they've just come to rifles only. That's the only match that they do, or maybe one or two others. Who knows? But, um, that, you know, we just want to be able to – they're not just clients, man. They're friends, too. You know what I mean? Yes, these, are, these are people we've known for years. And then the new faces, you know, you want to be able to let them know, hey – we care about you. You know what I mean. We we want to bring you into this community, and we want to set the hook really deep. You know, with uh, with precision shooting, and and we want you to go out and also be an ambassador for the sport to bring more people into it. So uh, there's just no downside.
0: No, I I agree, and that's you know watching these events come to uh, come to play and people getting together and having a great time. I think that's one of the strongest points about these you know these matches, and one of the strongest points that we try to uh, portray with the with the National Rifle League is let's go out and shoot and have a great competition, but at the same time let's share a beer and get to know each other afterwards. Sure, after absolutely. all the guns are put
1: away. Yeah, yeah. And if if you're not if you're not new making new friends and stuff like that, then you know what are you doing? You know what right. I mean. And again, I I I know a lot of people that are great friends of mine who took a class back in 1999. They're completely out of shooting now, and yet we're still friends. You know, and they yeah. might. They come in and help me RO, you know, 10 years later or 15 years later, but they're not, you know, they tried it. They liked it. They left, but Hey, I still made a friend out of it. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's invaluable. It's priceless.
0: Yes, it is. It truly is. Well, we're right about that time. If you can tell everybody where they can find out all about your training courses, the distillery drop some, uh, drop some plugs for your business here. Okay, great. Uh,
1: Our website for Rifles Only is www.riflesonly.com. On there, we have our pro shop. We have some nylon products that we use. Uh, We carry products from other companies as well. Um, Really, really good place to just go and have a look around and see if there's anything that you need. There's no fluff in there. I mean, we decided a long time ago that, you know, we could do a pro shop and, and have a bunch of crap that we don't use and make more money, but we didn't really want to be known for that. So check out the pro shop, check out the calendar. We do courses here in Texas. We do courses in Colorado. So we're in in different places and we figure out what course is going to work for you Uh, on the distillery side of the house, www.wildhorsedistillery.com. Come and take a look and see how we make our rums over there. Uh, Very blessed to be able to have two companies that are on site. So we're able to jump back and forth between them. Both of them are, both of them are extremely important to us. We try to put out the best product that we possibly can on it, but that's about us, you know, that's, that's about what we're doing. That's awesome. That,
0: that's phenomenal. And just so you guys know, if you guys haven't been paying attention to the website, um, wild horse distillery is a liquor sponsor for the national rifle league this year. So they're going to be providing adult beverages and libations for us after, after the match and after all the rifles are put away. So thank you very much. We truly appreciate that support. And, yep. uh, we can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. I I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I am too. And a couple things about you. Um, whenever we decided that we were going to go NRL this year, um, you guys have been, and I'm saying this with the most bit of love and respect. You guys have almost been a pest by calling, <laughs> "Hey, what can we do to make it better? How can we make it easier on you?" Me and Lisa really appreciate that. Really do. We really appreciate that a lot. I mean, it's been it's been fantastic. We're you know leading up to the match, and it's going to be a great match.
0: Yes, sir, and, and we appreciate it. And you guys have been phenomenal to work with as well. So we're um, we're excited to launch our first Texas match with you, and <laughs> our championship is going to be in Texas, not too far from you.
1: So, being in Texas is a long way, brother. <laughs> this is true.
0: <laughs> but I appreciate your time. We're uh, we're coming up on our limit here. I uh, okay. I can't say enough about how much we appreciate you guys. Thank you for taking the time today, and we will see you soon.
1: Perfect. And if anybody has any questions, send me an email to jacob at riflesonly.com. About the match or anything else, y'all just holler at me. I love to visit with people.
0: Terrific. Thank you, guys. Take care. Take care, Travis.